0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: And welcome back to another episode of the Golden Blogs podcast, the BearCast. Due to some technical difficulties, uh, we were unable to salvage the first 15 minutes of what we recorded earlier this week. Um, So here I have uh, Nick Krantz and Reef from CGB joining um, for the entire basketball season. We'll be going uh, weekly, talking about the games that we had in the week, and also a preview of the games ahead. So I bring you now Nick, answering questions about Viking Jones' defense and what we've seen so far, and I hope you
2: enjoy so the if we're looking at the defining stat to try to determine whether or not uh liking ball is succeeding at least on the defensive side we're presumably going to be looking at steal percentage and turnover percentage and so obviously the first game was not a success in that regard and the the fashion in which it happened was probably pretty disturbing because uh so Dennis cuts the head coach of UC Riverside has been there for five years in each of the four previous years his team has ranked uh 255th or worse in offensive turnover percentage uh his his offense has always turned the ball over a lot and they did not against Cal uh, as we all saw um they didn't either in uh, an unforced way or a forced way, and you know, so if we're we're putting specific numbers to it, you know, Cal couldn't even get a bad ball handling team to turn over the ball as much as they would normally turn over the ball. You know, they had a better than average game against uh, a team that's nominally wants to force more turnovers than average. Now, granted, Cal pretty well abandoned trying to do that at about halftime, so that factors into it but uh, to the extent that you should consider one game sample sizes at all it it was a pretty disturbing sample
3: and and I guess I'd add to that uh, in addition to uh, the turnover rate the steal rate there's this more nebulous um, tempo is not really the right word is the way we use it statistically but there's this idea of getting opponents out of their rhythm right and the idea behind both a Louisville style press and a Syracuse style zone is people don't see that all the time it gets them out of rhythm it speeds them up it gets puts them in uncomfortable spots on the floor that's a hard thing to measure at least i haven't yet in the one game i've had now two to evaluate how basketball find a real good statistical way to measure that but that's what we're looking for. And to my eye test, I think we all saw this. Cal Poly, sorry, um, Riverside on Friday could do whatever the heck they wanted. It looked like offensively. They were getting the spots they wanted. They were breaking us down easily. They were getting the shots that they wanted. Um, so if I'm measuring it also from that perspective, it was
1: not a strong day. Yeah, I mean, it, I think I think most everyone can agree wasn't the best way to start off the season. <laughs> um, and... You know, uh, yeah, uh, can, I, can I add to a bright spot from
3: yes. from Friday night? Um, a few things that I saw. Number one, I thought we actually adjusted well out of halftime. Um, and we saw some stuff was working, some that some wasn't. And even though we went back to our, our, our base stuff in our second game, it looked like we went pretty far away from it in the second half. And that worked. We had a much, much better second half. I think the other piece, which was then played out tonight, was we hadn't seen much or or none, really, of Jess's suing um, in his time at Cal. He's been out with a stretch fracture for, what, I think, two months. Um, And I think we saw, even on Friday night, the glimpses of a guy that was ready to come contribute immediately at the D1 level. And given the state of our roster, that's a pretty good thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was the... In terms of the tout coming in, he was... One of the least touted out of the big name guys, because um, of course at the top of the list was Juwan Harris Dyson, followed by when Darius signed, you know some rating services had him rated as a four-star point guard. So those were the two headliners, and we all thought Justice could turn into a pretty decent, you know, three-four year guy. But we did not expect him to be an, probably an immediate contributor from the get-go. Now, so and a surefire starter, <laughs> which is which is crazy to think about. Um, any uh, any positive thoughts for you nick from this game
2: beyond what's already been covered um there wasn't a whole lot to pull out of it um you know i kind of some some stuff that we already know you know i we're, we're still going to get pretty good rim protection from uh lee and okoro in situations where we're playing the defense that they're comfortable with um And you guys already talked about, you know, this is going to be an ongoing story, but what are we going to see flashes from guys who will be contributing the next time we have enough talent, experience, continuity to be good, uh, for an entire season? You know, we, we saw flashes from Justice Suing and, and that's exciting. Um, yeah.
3: Nick, let me close with this question for our, our longtime readers. Uh, you have this sort of infamous article from, uh, I want to say, 2014 about the worst loss in statistical history that uh, Cal State <laughs> Bakers had lost. Um, I want to get your thoughts. Friday night,
2: better or worse loss? <laughs> I say better, but so two questions. One, who is the single worst team cal men's basketball has lost to i think that that bakersfield team will turn out to in that year for bakersfield be worse than this year's uc riverside team but that's it's very early to say that this year's riverside team could crater and turn out to be the single worst team cal men's basketball has ever lost to at least in like modern weekend search for it on google history Then there's the question of what's just the worst loss from the perspective of our expectations of a Cal team. And as limited as that team that lost to Bakersfield was, they had significantly more um, returning talent and experience than this year's Cal team. So expectations for that team were higher than this year's Cal team. So I would say relative to expectations, that loss was worse from a, a feelings ball perspective. So, we did not see history on Friday night. Um, not not, not the the most history, just a little bit of history.
1: <laughs> you know, fun fact that we were talking about a meteoro, um, our press wrote during that game was UC Riverside on the roster has two former Calcommans.
3: Neither of whom got time, right?
1: No. Um, Hickman Diallo, did Diallo did.
3: Yeah. You're Diallo
1: right. is a. Is
2: you're a, right diallo got time he fouled out as well in 13 minutes oh oh! thank you for mentioning that i just want to feel like if we really want to talk about history it's that cal lost a game in which five opponents fouled out of a game four All right now i'm looking at the four. box where it looks like only four four but that 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 is something truly spectacular and um and, and and it's actually
3: it's it's more tying into the history i remember when diallo i i think um left us for harvard right um, and I had not followed this saga since then. So interesting place for him to end up, and um, didn't really catch my eye out there. But um, wasn't really looking for him either.
2: No. And
1: then so we're, we're talking about Ed Diallo here. Yeah, Ed Diallo uh, was a Montgomery commit, and
2: because I was going to say, I'm looking at his Ken Palm history. He played uh, a brief chunk of change for Boston College in 2016.
1: Yep. Uh, and then, yeah, I think he's at Riverside now. And then, of course, Alec Hickman, who was committed to us under Conzo last year, is not Riverside. So, well,
3: your last word on that, I will say, five fouls in um, thirteen minutes is impressive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he pretty much he committed either a re- he either got a rebound or committed a foul in his thirteen every minute. It's pretty just about maybe a little over a minute. <laughs> That's, That's good stuff,
3: and, um, we yep. and we still lost.
1: Yep, we still lost. All right, gentlemen, any more thoughts on this one, or should we move on to a little bit of a brighter note of what just happened? We're recording this literally hours after our- Hour, singular hour. 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 Let's hour. talk about a win. Yeah, let's talk about a win. Did not think this win was going to happen, but it happened. It really did. Um, we- None of us did a preview on Cal Poly, so I just looked up the basic stats and wrote like a 75-word into the live chat. Um, some interesting stats about their team is they, last season um, from Ken Palm, was they were, I think, 32nd in the country in offensive turnover percentage. So they were the 32nd lowest, I think at 16, 16%, or.
2: I think like that is l- literally the only thing that they were above average in.
1: Yep, yep. They only coughed up, I think, on average was 11 turnovers a game. So yeah. um, they didn't turn the ball terribly over, uh, but they did bring back their best big man, who was uh, Josh Martin. He didn't have a great game, uh, but, yeah, we'll delve into that a little bit. But here are the basics. Uh, Cal beats Cal Poly, 85-82. to 82. The game definitely was... Larger difference than the three points at the final box score, but just some stats from our side. Don Coleman, of course, goes for another 30, but instead of shooting 28 times, he only shoots 13, makes eight of those, three of six from three, 11 to 14 from the line with five rebounds. Uh, Justice Sewing, of course, another big Cal fan favorite now. 12 points, four of six shooting, four or five from the line, four rebounds, three assists. And then Marcus Lee, not just his uh, first double-double, 21 points on 8 of 13 shooting, 5 of 6 on the line, uh, 11 rebounds, and 3 assists. He also had a couple of monster blocks, um, one of which he basically threw away and then just decided to stare at the guy who tried to lay up over him. Um, so, yeah, those, those, are the, those are the player stats. We'll uh, start with you, Reef. Um.
3: I'm going to say growth for about the eighth time on this podcast, and I think uh, you're going to hear me saying that and writing about that all year. We want to see growth. We want to see improvement. Um, first area of improvement: we came out strong. We actually were focused, ready to play. Um, I remember thinking about the first three or four possessions, and Cal Poly actually scored on quite a few of those. But we had um, put them in areas of the floor that I think where, where I think you're going to take shots. we said some long twos, some rush threes. I mean, that's going to be a theme in this game. They made a bunch of long threes, but we came out and we're actually ready to play. We used our press, I don't want to say completely effectively. We talked about the turnover numbers. Uh, We only got five steals. Uh, We only turned them over 14 times. And that's not outstanding, um, given the competition we're playing, even if their talent is taking care of the ball. But... I think we did not get Utterly destroyed by the press We were able to set up our half Court defense We put them in spots on the floor that were um, Challenging for them And they happened to make a lot And I think um, the encouraging thing for me On the other side of the ball was I don't think we knew on Friday night what's their offensive Identity going to be I think everyone agrees it was going to be Don Coleman taking 35 shots Really inefficiently and going one on two One on three all year It was going to be a long year I think we saw us try to go inside out on um, Friday and not do that very well. We went inside out today and it was effective, right? And it's an open question, I think, whether our bigs are going to be able to score effectively against Pac-12 competition um, when they're put in that position. But I think tonight we saw they can overwhelm a Big West team and that's not climbing mount everest but that is a that is a huge start marcus lee from two point range eight for 13 kingsley okoro six for eight that's some good offense Um, and that opened up a lot of other stuff within the half court offense people were concerned about don and his quote unquote selfishness which i disagreed with over the course of the weekend i think we saw tonight that kid just wants to win Right, and he figured out. He, I I don't know that he took a shot in the first five minutes. I think he was passing. I think he was deferring, and then I think he found a way to get his, um, get his in the half-court offense. And he had a horribly efficient night. So I think overall, um, look, Cal Poly's not very good. Um, and beating them by three um, is not a sign that we're going to go out to Maui and win the whole thing, right? But did we play better than Friday night? Yes. Did we accomplish more of what I think the coaching staff wanted to accomplish? I think absolutely yes, especially in that first half. And is that going to be the marker for this year? I think if we if that's the marker of this year, I think, yeah.
1: I
2: mean, successful.
1: Also, winning's good. Winning's fun, too. <laughs> it's fun when you're in the crowd and you're winning. Nick, your thoughts from this game?
2: So two things that jumped out at me, one of which Reef stole from me already, which was just that our big men dominated a a smaller, less athletic team. And it was a little worrisome not to see that in the first game against one would presume a similarly unathletic team. Uh, But Marcus Lee almost out rebounded Cal Poly by himself. Like he had seven offensive boards and Poly only had 11 total defensive rebounds. And it, you know, if he's going to be our go-to guy in terms of floor leadership, then that's the type of thing that he needs to do because he's probably not going to be creating his own shot very often. Um, The other thing that I thought was interesting looking at the box score is who knows what the trend will be long-term, but we've already seen kind of a narrowing of the, of the rotation. Nine guys played, but five players played 29 minutes or more. Uh, Obviously, you know, don marcus and kingsley and then justice and darius mcneil you know that's apparently your your lead five um you know i know we've got some guys out for the moment but you know one of the things that we were kind of hearing from the coaching staff coming into the year is that everybody was going to get time everybody's going to get minutes there's going to be a lot of changing uh a lot of substitutions we didn't really see that and I think I'm curious if that's an early recognition of who is going to be winning us games, at least until some of the younger players can get more practice time and be ready to play at a D one level. I think, I think it's worth
3: noting that that Juwan Harris Dyson remains out and that I think that's clearly something we're going to see in the rotation. But beyond that, I agree. Um, Nick Hamilton, God bless his heart. Um, lots of minutes um, at the D1 level. Um, is it, probably not a sign that we're developing what we need to in the long run. Um, Roman got five, Antisevich and McCulloch each got three. And otherwise, yeah, um, Marcus playing 39, um, King and Don playing 36 each. Um, it, it's interesting how, how we play a style that... Uh, seems to require a whole lot of energy and a whole lot of um, just being all over the floor with, you mean, what's it going to be? Seven man rotation, um, eight man rotation. Um, something to keep an eye on going forward. I think um, we, we backed out of that press a lot, I think in the second half and I tweeted a question about whether that was going to be a game plan thing. Um, and a couple people responded, well, maybe that's just a fatigue thing. Um, and I don't know really the answer to that, right? We still, we've got two games to look at, maybe uh, three if you look at the exhibition. But um, I don't know that that's even really part of the sample. Um, going forward can marcus lee handle 39 minutes and use the energy that he's uh that he's using i think um someone tweeted earlier that he uh it feels like an old man he's been doing this a long time but heck 39 minutes out on the floor i think uh we'd all feel pretty tired after that
2: yeah
1: yeah i think the big thing here too is that you saw a lot of moments in that game where they take justice suing out one play later, he's back at the scores table ready to check back in. And I think some of us uh, were talking while we were watching and we, we said, I think what, uh, what I, keep, I was about to say Conzo. wow. What Viking wanted to do was probably limit the stretches of minutes that Justice gets just because he's coming off a stress factor injury. But the way he's producing and the way he's playing on defense is just you can't keep him off the floor. And his replacements aren't necessarily doing the same amount of damage. Um, and for me, one more point on that is, you know, Arif, you were talking about the, the press and how it worked and, and getting the steals. The, the most fun for me for while I was watching this game was that the turnovers we got were in such variety of ways. We got them in the traps. We got them in the steals and the passes over the top. We got them in our half courts too, and I think one or two 30-second violations um, and also, it helps when they fall for the the fake shot clock chant that the band does, <laughs> and they just start ch- chucking up threes on touch
2: passes. With hey, we we go to them part. into some le. Sorry, we go to them into some illegal screens too.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think um, for me that was the most that was the most fun to watch. Is that that helps? I think for me, build confidence for those guys saying, "Hey, this we can do this." Like we're not going to. They might not be able to sustain it. But at least the fact that they have going into the next game and beyond saying, hey, there are moments where we can, this system works and it can get us those steals, those turnovers into easy buckets. I think building on that, one of the themes of this year, it
3: looks like defensively, is this idea of active hands, and we are going to which is very, very different from what we've seen in the last few years, and we are going to see a team that's trying to get in the passing lanes, trying to get hands in the passing lanes, trying to if not, if not create turnovers in that way be disruptive, right, and get teams out of their rhythm, and this is where statistics will lie Cal Poly had on paper 1.19 points per possession 57% from three, they had a much better offensive game than um than riverside did on paper but to my eyes and i haven't looked at the tape yet to my eyes we were much more disruptive defensively and yeah they were having to make shots and they and to their credit they did um in a lot of places where they were uncomfortable and i thought we were in the passing lane a lot we got our hands on a lot of balls i know because i was yelling active hands uh from the stands every time i saw that happen and it's game 2 but from game 1 to game 2 game 1 i saw a team that was very very comfortable getting to their spots game 2 i saw a team that was really struggling right and then they had to resort at the end to this sort of inside out um um you know driving kick off offense that we didn't do a great job adjusting to right and that's how they got a lot of their threes but as they were trying to run throughout that game their half court set we were there a lot we were in the passing lanes a lot we were disruptive a lot and the idea is a year from now, teams are going to have a very, very hard time getting their offense because we're going to be all over those passing lanes and we are going to be up in their face. And I think we saw more of that in game two than in game one. And that's what you want to see is progression on that front.
1: Yeah, for me, you know, off Reef's point, the one key possession that I still remember is in the first half, Kyle uh, Poly brings the ball up. We're in our 2-3 zone. There's no one on Justice's side of the base on the on his right side So he steps up And takes the wing player and he Jumps that passing lane, gets A hand on it and it goes out of bounds and at that Point there were 14 seconds left on the Shot clock they get the inbounds And four seconds later Darius McNeil gets another Hand on the ball and that ball goes out Of bounds and that's like I think there Were nine seconds left on the shot clock and it was just They were I was that's I was so impressed by that Just because they're getting in the passing lanes Their shot clock is dwindling slowly and slowly and slowly, and yet they couldn't find an offensive shot on that possession. And that was, for me, that was just really impressive.
3: I think the exciting part is, reputedly, Juwan Harris-Dyson is the best player on this team. Doing that, we haven't even seen him on the floor yet, right? And so the fact that we were doing it more in Game 2. I mean, we were abysmal at it in Game 1. We we did it to about the same level team. Actually, a team that's very good at taking care of the ball in Game 2. Um, and especially in the first half we did it, right? And In the second half, I think um, you heard Coach talk about us letting that down a little bit, I do think the energy was lower, and maybe that's a result of the minutes that Nick was talking about earlier, but um, if you wanted a glimpse of sort of w- w- what's this even supposed to look like in, in two months, in a year, right, as, as these kids become sophomores and juniors, I think that's what you started to see today in that first half, and that was kind of fun to watch, like you were saying, Rob.
1: Uh, for you, Nick, on the on the press and all that, any thoughts?
2: My feeling is that they tried to pull back a little bit on the press in game two. So game one, they tried to run the press how it's supposed to be run, aggressive, forcing turnovers, making passes hard, and it and it backfired. Uh, and in game two, it felt more like a token press where they were deliberately being conservative about it. And so we're not just going to let you advance the ball, but neither are we going to put ourselves in a position where when the press gets broken, we get burned for it. Um, I didn't see nearly as much kind of top of the press aggression. And that's probably where we want to be right now. Until either the players get more experience or we get the right guys healthy.
1: I want to ask you guys a question. After seeing two games, if you're Coach Wiking, who is your starting five? Going into going into the Wofford game and then Maui in, in two weeks? Well, I think by
3: default, he's starting Marcus and King. <laughs> um and that that that's just it's just going to be the case um whether i agree with that or not um and i think i i might not have necessarily um thought that was optimal after friday night actually after tonight i'm willing to be um open-minded about that um i think especially as much as marcus uh, lee was all over the floor tonight i think don coleman's just going to start right that's um Those three, I think, are entrenched, right? And and he's talked since his opening pressers about wanting to rely on veteran presence and those guys having to be be leaders, and I think that's it by default. I think up for grabs is the rest of it. Um, He's got this interesting dance going on right now with Darius McNeil as our point guard um, because he started initially in the exhibition game. Um, He criticized him post-game for his closeouts. He, I don't know if this was illness or what was going on on Friday night, but he started Deshawn, but then played Darius more, well, and then tonight the well, same thing happened.
1: Yeah, I mean officially they told us that he was sick, and he was probable going into the game. So I think the gist was he maybe caught a cold because Viking was saying it's that time of year where kids catch these things, and so. But that's that's yeah that's. And then
3: ended up playing. Um, More minutes than Deshaun. Tonight, again, Deshaun started, um, but Darius ended up playing almost three times as many minutes um, at the point and played down the stretch. Um just assuming we've talked about and so now we've got this kind of up in the air um, what is Juwan Harris Dyson going to add to this so I I don't know that starting is as interesting to me as who's getting the minutes and who's closing Um, I think we have seen a pattern of he trusts Darius McNeil out there with the ball as much as you can trust any freshman Um, I think we can all see with our eyes that justice Sewing's gonna have to get minutes his play is is demanding right now he's a difference maker on the floor on both ends he's gonna get minutes so that's five for sure um what we don't know is what's juan bringing to this party um and how far behind is he after the last week um, so that's the unknown that I'm kind of interested in. And then again, the Nick question earlier, okay, if those five, six-ish are going to get lots and lots of minutes, how much of a chance are we going to give to the rest of these guys, right? And is um, is Roman Davis's five really supposed to be like seven, eight, nine? Um, are Grant and Austin going to stick at three against a mediocre opponent like Cal Poly because that would imply that that's all they're getting or are they going to get more? And these are... Um,
2: these are the questions we're going to have to watch going forward. Nick, for you. Well, so the only player that we went through that hasn't been mentioned yet would, who might get minutes would be Cole Welly, who's going to still be out for another couple weeks at least. Um, I wouldn't think he's going to be the type of player who would demand significantly more minutes than the guys who have been getting – short runs already and you're your nick hamilton's your roman davis's but who knows you know we this team is certainly constituted as such that anybody who whose play justifies it will be getting minutes regardless of whether or not you started as a four-star recruiter or a walk-on um, but yeah you know you've got your five players right now who are playing at least so far 30 minutes a night and Juwan harris dyson is going to be thrown in the mix and then you know six man rotation is obviously a little short but if you just hand five to eight minutes to another couple players just to give them some rest that that can work depending on exactly what you want to do on each end
3: so. and i think i've got a couple things to add to that number one cole welly um when i saw him in open practice was a phenomenal communicator and leader and I think we see with nick hamilton getting minutes for example that that the coaching staff is valuing that early in the year so i would anticipate i mean he's gone for another what three weeks i wouldn't anticipate that he's going to get some time on the floor so we'll see what that looks like when he gets back I think the other thing that strikes me as we're talking about this is, is the the enormity of how much we don't know right now um and i think i think that's 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 the spirit i'm trying to bring into this year it's the spirit of i'm, I'm f- trying to figure it out as a fan and as an analyst i think we're all trying to figure it out as we go along and i'm not sure the coaching staff really knows um for sure as they go along, go along what the heck they have out there um which is but what's going to make it frustrating and i understand on an emotional level why a lot of guys were frustrated after that friday night but it's also kind of like why we need to not jump to conclusions right and why we need to really come into this year going okay we're starting fresh let's let's take a let's take a wait and see approach let's see who's going to get shots let's see who's going to get minutes and and maybe in a month or two we can answer these questions a lot better but right now if, if 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 I tried to predict what that starting lineup and that minute distribution was going to look like on our season opener against who is it Stanford? Um, I'm just throwing darts at a board. Um, I've got two games to look at, and, and and we've got guys who haven't even seen the floor yet. So um, that's what's cool, but that's also what's hard to answer. That uh, what makes it hard to answer these questions.
2: The core of discovery is going to lead you across the continental divide to the 2018-19 season. <laughs> Thank you.
1: All right, I got I got one more question for you guys regarding this, and then we'll we'll go into our our, our thoughts on the first week of bas- the basketball season. Are we really going to be shooting this many these many free throws every game? Do you suspect? Because we shot thirty nine against Riverside, and then we shot thirty three against Cal Poly. Is 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 don coleman getting what 14 free throws today 20 free throws on friday night and some other guys getting above five free throws like this is is this how we're gonna generate quote unquote offense just by getting (laughs) Colemania? uh no
3: (laughs) um we're 11th in the country right now in free throw rate, which is, you know, great. It's phenomenal. Um, look, we're playing bad teams. I mean, <laughs> let, let's be real. Um, it's great that we're forcing the ball inside. It's great that they're hacking Don. Um, and, and, and to a certain extent, that's going to have to be our style of play. I think you saw it today. You heard it today. that We're going to go inside out. We have some bigs who are hard to handle. Um, they may not be the most polished offensive players, but they um, – they're better than I thought, and um, they're going to get the ball. And that's going to cause some um, some fouls. Um, and we've been um, making them pretty good uh, in the early season. So, um, you know, not um, terrific, but 75% today. Um, after 61% on, on, on Friday, that's pretty good. But... Um, <sighs> I, maybe I shouldn't be as sure as I sounded on that no but what, what, I, what I wonder about is and we'll start seeing this as, as we head into Hawaii next week okay when you get out of the world of the big west and you start facing bigs who are athletic and can play and can beat you to the spot right when you start getting um, guards in front of you that can actually cut off penetration to the basket um are you going to get these same calls? Are you even going to get in the same positions? I would suspect no. Um, I, I do think we're going to be above average in drawing fouls just because of our playing stuff. But, um, you know, Pac-12 is a good league. <laughs> um, and, and, and there are guys inside who can play. And, and that's, again, one of the, uh, one of the mysteries of the season. We're going we're to um, try to figure out is, okay, we have these two bigs. We're going to feed them the ball. Um, now what now what when um, they're faced with uh, stronger defenders than they saw today
2: Nick any thoughts all I want to add is that it would please me to no end if following years of having good teams that were not good at the line if we could follow that up with a not so good team that happened to be excellent from the line which probably won't happen but if it did happen it would thrill me to no end
1: All right, with that note, let's move on to the first week of the season. Two games in, first week's over. We only have uh, one game this upcoming week against Wofford at home. Terriers. Terriers, yes, the Terriers. And then we head to Maui to face Wichita State on Monday, and then who knows who we face on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, But your general thoughts on the week, the two games, do we want it? Do we inc- do we want to include the exhibition? Because if we include the exhibition, all I'm going to talk about is Kingsley Okoro's triple double. <laughs> that's that's pretty much all I'm going to talk. About. And I'm upset because that's not going in the record books. That the most recent triple double in Cal basketball history belongs to Kingsley Okoro
2: on points, rebounds, and blocks. Like, a, yeah, he could do it again against Chaminade. He He could. He could. I mean, I think
3: what I think. <laughs> On, uh, on the Monday night exhibition I think uh, we need to step back uh, now that we've seen the results of, of two big west teams and, and look at that competition and say okay um, maybe not the best indicator um, of how we're going to play as a team this year um, overall how, how do I feel after let's call it two and a half games um, I, I think about where I thought I was going to feel uh, or how I was going to feel at this stage in the season this is this is a new experiment, man. Uh, first-time head coach, a combination of some complex systems that we're going to try to run, um, new players all over the floor. We're not even fully healthy yet. Heck, I don't, I don't know how they, the heck Justice Suing's managing 29 minutes out there, um, not having played in two months, uh, and credit to not having practiced with this team. So um, we're playing how we said we were going to play. Um, We're leaving a lot of holes in our defense um, right now, Um, and we're scrambling around to try to fill that. Um, We're developing our offensive identity. We were able to beat, I think more comfortably than the score would indicate, based on our quality of play. We were able to beat a team today that we were supposed to, that that a bad Pac-12 team is still supposed to, on their home court, uh, handle pretty easily. I think we actually handled them better than the 85-82. Um, and that's a good thing. But, um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm left with more questions. Um, I am I am encouraged by a few things. I'm encor- encouraged by just assuming um, looking like a ball player. I'm encouraged that from game one to game two, this team looked a lot better and they started doing the stuff that the coaching staff actually wanted. Um, but am I expecting a top five Pac-12 finish based on what I've seen. No, and I I don't know that that's the measure for this year. I think if we can see the progression that we saw in the first two games throughout the year and if we can start to develop an identity, that's success. Um, And I'm happy that we took a step today uh, to begin to do that.
2: Nick? Yeah, right there with you guys. Um, The the non-conference schedule as it is currently set up will give us a series of teams that will allow for somewhat apples to apples comparisons of progression. You know, you're going to have your Wichita States and St. Mary's and San Diego States for measuring how we might perform against high end PAC 12 teams. But if you want to just talk about progression against tomato cans, we've got a whole set of them to knock down. Hopefully, um, Wofford is actually, you know, a a step better than the last two teams. So if we can handle them, that's a sign that we are uh, presumably getting better as individuals and as a team. And that's going to be the hallmark of the season one way or another. (laughs) All
1: right. Any other thoughts, gentlemen, on that?
3: Um, I do want to, because I'm not sure that he did in discussing today's game, um, specifically shout out Don Coleman. We talked a lot about his first Yes. Um, his first performance. Um, he, as he mentioned in, in, the, in the post game, got a lot of heat for that. Um, man, today was today was good. Um, it was good against a bad opponent. So let's not break out the champagne yet. But um, five for seven, um, two points uh, from two point range, and three for six uh, from three point range. So what are we talking about? Eight for thirteen, um, with. Three assists, which I wrote in, I wrote in my article. Um, look, he's not going to get six or seven assists a game. That's not his game. But if he could do three or four with the gravity that he's drawing, um, that's going to be a big improvement over the, what we saw Friday night, and that's what we saw today. He was also all over the floor. He's diving for loose balls um, and creating opportunities um, for his teammates, getting boards. Um, five boards tonight, right? Mm-hmm. So... Um, that, to me, is emblematic of, in a lot of ways, Don Coleman has become sort of the poster child of this young season uh, when people are talking about it, but that's emblematic of what we want to see. Um, and if that's what we're going to see over the course of the year, dudes getting better, right, and dudes doing what exactly what the coaching staff asks, um that's going to take us into next year and, and our good recruiting class with some momentum, and that's going to make us competitive um, as this uh, White King era um, progresses. And, and, and that's what we're looking for. That's what we need to ask of these guys. Um, that's how we need to judge them. Nick? Our colemania mania is non ironic. <laughs> no, I love Don Coleman, for real. I, it was not super high on him last year, but... Um, watching him this year and hearing a little bit more about him from his uh, from his brother and his entourage. Um, um, I, think, I wait, think. Wait, 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 hold right up. Things. Are we not part of the
2: entourage yet?
3: Um, and, and how do we get not into Not until we get the Don Coleman Ain't Scared t-shirts, which I've been promised um, from his brother. So as soon as um, we get those delivered, we're going to wear that in Section 9 for sure.
1: I think the coolest part about that, I did not expect uh, him to say that in that press conference when he said yeah, I saw everything on social
2: media. It gave me motivation going into the And coach. Well, do we count as social media? This is, is a podcast considered social media. I don't know are we, if we put
1: this on Twitter, I guess we do count as social media, but we're praising him today. So. Well, you <laughs> so, see,
2: I was just going to say that might be a problem. We might need to, to provide some heat for, for motivation rest of the year. Yeah. We Nobody m- believed in you, Don Coleman. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, it's just, it's, these kids read what, on social media. like they're, You don't have to tag them in it. They're going to find it. It's pretty easily findable. And I, I you
3: know, think okay. if, I, if I go on a rant for just a second here, now that I have the platform, yes. I, I, one of the things that was really disappointing to me was reading on... I, I won't name the, the various um, forums I read, but you know, I'm a hoops junkie. This is what I do. All of the longtime Cal fans, and I know we're better than this, who I've been reading for years, posting on diff- in different areas just ripping on kids, ripping on our team, ripping on our coaching staff, after one game, and after one game in a really, really difficult context and set of circumstances. um, First of all, it's it's just, if I can be frank, it's just dumb, because we have a sample size of one, and really we had a sample size of one bad half, right? Number one, and number two, if we put this season in context and where these kids came from and what this coaching staff is trying to accomplish, I mean come on right and 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 the vitriol that I heard and the anger that I heard and and, and the insults that I heard and the character attacks that I heard um I think we're better than that and i and, and I think as as Rob points out i I know that Um, people read this i know people read this number one that are associated or close to the team i know people read and we just heard that in the press conference i know people read that who think about coming to the games or watching the games and coming out and supporting guys who actually want to be here because there are a lot of guys who didn't want to be here this year right um so let's just take a step back and 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 let's understand the context these kids are playing in and let's maybe give them a month or two before we start calling them selfish and 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 attacking the coaching ability of our staff right and and let's and let's and and let's let them breathe and grow into these roles um and i'm gonna get down off my soapbox now but that that comment from Do- and 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 heck maybe if if tonight's an indication maybe we should do it more but i i I just don't think i just don't think it's the right spirit of who we want to be as a cow community and i don't think it's, it's it's helpful from an analysis perspective so if you need to vent come to the games and vent there and that's great but um but bear in mind these are 18 19 20 year olds who are doing their best um and they're great student athletes and they're going out on the floor and they're playing for you and, 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 and
1: let's support them. Nick, anything to add?
2: I mostly just wish I could share. I have now been blogging for uh, eight years longer than, uh, any one person should be, have the dignity to do. And, uh, I wish I could share the feedback that I occasionally get from players and family members when they feel that they have been uh, treated unfairly. Uh, yeah, and granted, they they too, they are biased as well; they should be, and sometimes maybe misinterpret. But uh, yeah, ample evidence that they do in fact pay attention. So, uh, watch yourself online, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>
1: All right, on that note, I just wanted to end with some news that happened this week. Um, Cal signs their three commits that are coming in next year since, since you're talking about players and 18-year-olds and, and guys that are coming in for next year. We got all three guys signed. Um, Jacoby Dor- Gordon out of Houston, Texas, Matt Bradley out of San, San Bernardino, California, and uh, Andre Kelly, who happened to be sitting – just a couple of rows, a few rows in front of me. Yep, yep. Uh, really big dude. I at yeah. least from the compared to the tape and seeing him in person, like his his shoulders and like just just his, uh, the physical specimen that he is, he looked a lot bigger than I expected him to be.
3: I'd say I had the same reaction seeing Matt Bradley a few weeks ago. Yeah, we got some dudes with college bodies
2: already.
1: Yeah. So you know this is official release uh, from Cal Bears or Cal Athletics. Um, the three. Uh, Jacoby Gordon and Matt Bradley are rated as top 100 recruits. They're both four-star athletes. Andre Kelly, a three-star, but he's also a local guy uh, from the Bay Area. And Cal's three-man class, after the early signing period, is rated within the top 25. 247 sports and scout give Cal the 18th best best class in the country and ESPN ranks us as the 22nd. And this is still with one scholarship still remaining in terms of just the – the ones that we expect to have. So uh, we were talking about this before we started recording and uh, Nick wanted to defer to Reef here. So we're going to, we're going to defer to Reef. Do you, do you like the three guys? Are you excited about the three guys? Um, And I guess the last question I want to ask regarding that is if you're one of those three or the potential fourth, what should you, what, what should you be looking at when you watch this Cal team play this year? Um, I, I love the recruiting so
3: far. Uh, we, we started the White King era um, losing Jamarl, losing Charlie. That was tough. Um, and, but since then, the staff has done a good job of putting together um, some momentum in the recruiting area. I'm not a big believer in recruiting rankings, honestly. I'm a big believer in fit. Um, we know how we want to play. We know that we need long, athletic, quick guys who have a motor. Um, watch some Matt Bradley tape and you'll see a motor, right? Watch Just some watch Andre tape Kelly against, tape yeah, and against, you'll see a motor, right? Compton Magic, that, that um, one AAU game. Jacoby Gordon's arms may be nine feet across. Um, <laughs> and um, we so we're, if we're recruiting to a system, right? We've got some guys coming in who can play to a system, as well as Justice Suing coming in this year, right? There is McNeil. Looks like he's a, he's a guy who can play point guard in this system. Um, Jawan Harris Dyson again. From everything I've heard, and get well soon, Jawan. We want to see you out there. Um, it's a guy who can play in the system, so. We need to wait a couple years before we see this thing play out. But if you want long guys who are going to be able to be all over the floor, turn folks over, get in their head, disrupt their system, we're recruiting to that. I think it's, I think it's really impressive that it's turned around this quickly. Um, I think that we still need a piece or two. Um, and so if I'm a guy up the road who may be looking at this team and, and, and trying to figure out, is this where I want to spend, you know, my year or two maybe in college, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at playing style. Um, I'm looking at the things we're all looking at, right, growth. I'm looking at um, how, my, how my coach treats his players and how he develops them. And I think, you know, one of the things that was really instructive to me um, both in um, the offseason transition and, and, and in the comments lately, is um, watching Why King talk about a guy like Don, who um, you know we've had coaches in the past who stifle guys, and I think I think it's it, it's instructive that Why King has talked about wanting guys to play better and make better decisions without stifling them and giving them freedom. Um, he's also talked about making sure that his bigs get fed. Right? So again, if I'm some high school senior up the road a little bit thinking about, well, what kind of system am I going to play in? Um, and what kind of team am I going to be a part of? Um, I think I'm looking at you know, how well is he adjusting for my needs as, I don't know, a potential big? How well is he bonding with his players? Um, how well is he putting them in a position to succeed? Um, and if we go from this is a very small sample, Riverside on Friday, where <laughs> i don 't know that anyone was in any position to succeed anywhere for a lot of that game to today, where we just fed it and fed it and fed it, and then later on, right, um, he, you know Don started getting his as folks started collapsing and as folks started like double teaming Kingsley off the catch, which i never thought i'd see um you know in my days watching cal basketball but all of a sudden like boom post entry kingsley accordo double teamed what the heck was that right if i'm if i'm watching that development over the course of the year and i'm seeing my guys get fed and i'm seeing them um, develop and have fun out there that's a program i want to go to i also think if i'm being realistic is there playing time still available on this team absolutely Right, And as Nick was pointing out earlier, right now, like 39, 36 minutes, not ideal. I mean, what's ideal? I, I don't know, but, you know, 25, 27, right? And like really intense minutes. If I'm looking for a place where I can play that kind of style and develop, um, I think you're starting to see it. It's early days yet. Um, but I don't know. Instinctually, it feels like White King is a player's coach. Right, and, and 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 he he's he's trying to help them be better, while still um, not controlling them too much. I don't know. If we've always seen that here, but I think that's what we're starting to see. And um, if I were a uh, if I were a recruit, that's kind of what I'd be looking for. Um, and maybe we maybe we pick up a big later on in the signing period um, th- that can play in the system. We'll see. Yeah,
1: Reef is literally hinting <laughs> at a guy that's up the road. <laughs> Somewhere in a, in a place called Napa, California, Somewhere
3: up the road. Who could it be? <laughs> there may be a big that would play that would fit really well into the role that Marcus Lee and uh, Kingsley are playing right now. Maybe, yeah, I mean possibly. to your point
1: about the minutes thing. If I'm looking at this roster and watch these two games and I'm a big man, I go, "Kings a senior, Marcus is a senior. They have no bigs behind. If I'm a, if I'm a, if I'm anywhere above 6'8", that's minutes I can take right away if I come in next year. And if I like the style, as you said, if you like the style, if that's, the, if that's how you want to play and you think you'll grow here, it's like the best opportunity you got.
3: Well, and the other piece of that is am I going to get the ball and is there a system that's going to get me the ball? And I, I don't know. If you, if you would have told me yesterday that Don Coleman was going to successfully feed the post, I would have probably been against that. And yet over the course of a one-game transition, he started doing that. That's probably a good sign if I'm a big man up the road
2: somewhere.
1: Nick, do you have any thoughts on these uh, on these three young guys
2: coming in next year? So uh, one thing I'd like to say is when he was initially hired, I was not thrilled uh, that, that Cal had gone with Joaquin Jones. Not because – of anything I knew about him, but more because I didn't know anything about him. Um, and to me, it was like uh, choosing your coach via the, the roulette wheel. You know, random numbers make me nervous. Um, and to be fair, I, you know, I think we've all kind of given him, him time to prove himself, and recruiting is is to me the number one positive surprise so far he's already brought in at least it looks like at least in a in a difficult transition situation two guys who can play at a uh, at we think uh, power five level. he's brought in three more in this recruiting class he's involved with other players. Um, if recruiting is the lifeblood of college basketball, as most people tend to think it is, then he's he's done an excellent job on that front so far. And as somebody who was admittedly skeptical uh, at first, I, but willing to be convinced, he's doing what he needs to do to convince me. And that's exciting. All right.
1: There you have it. That's all I have.
3: Can I, uh, can I get one more plug-in before we end? Yeah, thank yes, you, sir. by the way, if you've listened this long. Um, <laughs> women's basketball this year yes. um, is going to be phenomenal. I just um, spewed uh, about 2,300 words into a, a fan journal, uh, which we'll be seeing on CGB uh, shortly. But I think uh, more importantly than that, this team's not only going to be very good, but they're, they're, they're really great kids, and they've got a really great coach, and they are really fun to watch. And so um, if you blink, you're going to miss it um and, and and this team deserves not to be missed so just to plug out there that um it, it's going to be a long basketball year in a lot of ways and i'm not fooling myself into thinking like this is a 20 win team it would be great if it was but it, it's it's going to be a transition year um on the other hand on the women's side this is a team that's legit top 25 and i think could be legit top 10 by the end of the year if if stuff breaks right i'm not i'm not saying that's going to happen i think i think the potential's there Um, And we have a potential National Player of the Year candidate. So um, if you're listening to this still, you're a hoops junkie because you sat through us for 45 minutes. Um, Come out watch some women's basketball. It's going to be good this year. Yeah. How many points we beat
2: in UConn by, though?
3: Uh, 17. 17? I lied. No. Um, It's going to be a learning experience. And and that's fine. Um, That's why we signed up for it. And hopefully we can be competitive a little bit. Yeah, because I was about to say seventeen is. We're the, not, we're not, we're not going to beat UConn. Seventeen is the spread for the Cal um, Stanford big game this week. And 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 beating UConn kind uh, might make me as happy as winning big game. Um, but I mean, we're going to stores. Uh, we're uh, still uh, trying to figure out our, our lineups and our matchups. We're probably not going to be UConn, but. Um, but that's that's not the standard, right? The standard is, can we uh, be a high-end team in the Pac-12? And I, and I, and I very well think um, this team could be. And I think more importantly than that, they are fun. Like, they are, they are a lot more fun than they think they have been. There's a lot more versatility. I think the playing style is going to be a lot more fun. Um, so it's, I think it's just going to be a phenomenally entertaining year, um, uh, much more entertaining than it has been. And I, and I think um,
2: folks aren't going to want to miss that.
1: For you, Nick, I know you—you're a big uh, women, Cal women's team.
2: Heavy cosign. The—the uh, win over St. Mary's was tremendously fun. Um, Cal scored 87 points at a decently fast clip. There were players running all over the field, over the court, turnovers, layups. It was—it was an exciting brand of basketball that was uh, well executed. At there is there is no good reason not to watch Cal women's basketball. All
1: right. There you have it. There's there's the final, final say. All right. Go Bears. And, yeah, so we'll be back next week. Um, who knows who will be on this podcast, but there will be one. We'll figure that out.
3: Unless I get arrested um, storming the field for yeah. a big
1: game. Yeah. Well, that'll be the both of us. Well, okay. I'll be leading the charge. Okay. We'll see you out there. We'll see you out there, Cal fam. Yeah, we'll Come. see you out there. Uh, meet at the S. <laughs> uh, Eight uh, seventeen. Eight
3: seventeen is when we're meeting at the S. Eight
1: seventeen is when we're meeting at the S. There you have it, folks. Um, so yeah, have a great uh, big game week. If you're in the Bay Area, make sure to drop by campus uh, all week long. It's just so much fun with um, all the lights and uh, the Christmas lights on the on the trees on Main's Prowl and so on and so forth. And yep, yeah, we'll be back next week after the Wofford game.